Before you hear their names announced at Rogers Center, you'll first hear them on Around the Nest, Jay talking around the Blue Jays minor league system. It is time for Around the Nest, Jay talking our way around the Blue Jays minor league organization, affiliate to affiliate. I'm Jesse Goldberg-Strasser with the Lansing Lugnuts, but if you tuned in last week, you heard a different host. You heard Jim Tarabokia, which was really the first time in years that Around the Nest has had any per, uh, anyone other than me hosting the show. Let me bring in Jim Tarabokia, immediately the voice of the Dunedin Blue Jays, the Blue Jays' A-Advanced affiliate. Jim, how was last week hosting Around the Nest? Yeah, it was a blast. Uh, I, I really enjoyed it. I, uh, I, I gave my little uh, spin on things, and um, uh, it was a lot of fun, man. I, I'll tell you what, um, Max Scherzer and getting that, that black eye um, it really gave me some good material. So thanks, Max. I don't know. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> um, but, uh, you know, so – it was good. No, it was it was good, and, and it was it was. Um, I'm glad I got a chance to talk with some of the um, some of my my uh, excellent colleagues there, um, and get a get a chance to see what's going on at, at some different levels. All right, let's talk about your DJs, and let's first begin with the return. Welcome back, Colin Large. Yeah, he returned last night. Was activated off the uh, seven day injured list. Um, yesterday, right before the game, and uh, it was really good to see him him back in uniform. You know, I remember um, when when he got hurt. Uh, it was in Bradenton in early June. Um, he dove for a ball uh, to his right towards the line behind the third base bag, and uh, you heard a, as the ball was rolling down the line, you heard a, like a, a screech and a scream almost, and uh, some expletives uh, as well. And then I see him after the play was over, and, and he's holding his wrist. Uh, he throws down his glove and his hat because he's, you know, obviously very frustrated. And I, I'm wondering if he hurt his wrist. And I, I got worried about that because then, you know, right away, I, you know, who knows, you know, the wrist injury. And I come to find out later it was actually a shoulder problem. And I, I realized later that he was holding his wrist because it was almost like he was holding his shoulder in place just in case, you know, the worst um, did happen. So luckily that luckily that that wasn't the case and and he's back rehabbing uh, he rehabbed uh, with Bluefield and he's back with us uh, here in Advanced State Dunedin um, and uh, you know he's he's hit safely in 21 of his last 34 games you know going back to uh, to April 30th so um, you know it's good to have him back in the lineup because the the offense um, despite winning uh, the other night. Uh, has been a little bit flat here uh, in this series against St. Lucie, and now coming up big series this weekend against Daytona in Daytona, only a game and a half up in the standings um, and the Florida State League North Division in the second half, albeit the Blue Jays did clinch in the first half, but, you know, nevertheless. Um, so it's good to have him back and, and provide a little bit more uh, pop uh, for that lineup. When you're looking for pop in your lineup, you're getting it right now from a guy who had been slumping the majority of the season up until recently. And then Demi Ormoloy stepped up. And let me try pronouncing his entire name. Here we go. Olua Demolade, Olua Damalola, Ormoloy, born in Lagos, Nigeria, and then grew up in Ottawa. And over the course of a seven-game hitting streak, he collected 14 hits. He had four different two-hit games. He had one three-hit game. What have you been seeing from Demi during that hot stretch? Yeah, I think a lot of it is it goes back to his work in the beginning uh, of this month and even back into late May, where he's been working with hitting coach Matty Young to to shorten that swing a little bit. Um, I think from getting from where he 
was getting into his loading position um, to getting to the point of contact. I think that's where he really got long. Um, and the, the bat path and the barrel path, um, quite frankly, was, was just not very efficient, especially for this level and, and this pitching in this league and how hard guys throw every single night. I mean, he wasn't really able to catch up um, to that fastball in the beginning because of that. And I, it was just a flaw in his mechanics. And I think what, because of that, not being able to catch up to the fastball, he was cheating a little bit, um, and he's getting fooled on breaking pitches. Well, I mean, he's worked very hard um, to make that adjustment, and it's really shown. Um, and his power is still there. And I, I said this in the beginning of the year about Demi, and I still hold to it, um, that he is a great athlete, moves well, he's built well, He's got just natural power and pop. I mean, he's, his upper body is, is built. He has a lot of strength. Um, his lower body is well built. Um, so the, the natural strength and athleticism was there. I think it was just now time to clean things up at the plate um, and, and correct what I thought. And, I, you know, I, again, I'm not a hitting coach, so I could be wrong. Um, but from what I thought was his biggest flaw in his uh, bat path, um, not being uh, as consistent as it should be at this level and getting a little bit long and shortening his swing um, and, and correcting that, that problem um, has allowed him to have um, a quicker attack angle to the baseball. And, and I think it's, it's really done him well. Um, and he's not getting fooled as, as bad on, on, on breaking pitches and, and off-speed pitches. And because of that, He's also getting on base via the walk as well, and he's putting together good plate appearances. Um, that, that's that's been a big thing as well with him. So uh, I'm happy to see that with him. I, I always had high hopes with him coming into the year. He struggled, obviously. And he'll tell you, you know, he struggled pretty badly in the first month of the season. Um, but patience is paying off. Um, his hard work is paying off. The adjustments that he's made are paying off as well, and I'm, I'm glad to see him uh, having as much success as he has had here in this stretch. Let me wrap up with Jim Tarabokia with the A-Advanced Needham Blue Jays. I want to ask you about what I felt to be the best pitching performance of the week by anybody at any level of the Blue Jays organization. How good was Joey Murray on that 12-strikeout, one-run, six-inning appearance? Yeah, Joey Joey was um, you know, as good as I've seen him. Um, you know, I think with him, um, a lot of it is, is just uh, spotting up that, that fastball well um, and, and using his break and stuff at the right time. Um, you know, I think he tunnels pretty well. Uh, so I, because of that, I, I think um, he doesn't always have to throw 95 or you know, whatever, 96 miles an hour. Um, he's a mature pitcher. He has a plan. And another guy who, who, you know, has come in here to advance day Dunedin really hasn't changed much of his routine, um, has worked well with our pitching coach, Jim Sykowski, and um, that 12-strikeout game right now at this point of the season um, has been his peak, I think, even going back to when you, you guys at the Class A level. And, uh, you know, having a guy like that to be able to give you that trust every fifth day, and right now I think we have that in, in all of them, in everybody, in the entire rotation. But to be able to have a guy like that um, go out there and Al Guyer's the same way he's pitching tonight, um, knowing in your mind, and I think the coaching staff would agree with this, that these guys give you a chance to win every fifth day that they pitch. It's a huge, huge plus. And it really takes a lot 
uh, weight off the shoulders of the offense when it's not going as well as it has in these last three games. Uh, I mean, with right now as it stands, and I think you know, obviously Murray um, has contributed to this as well. The starting pitching staff um, has tossed at least five innings in now eight straight games and ten of their last twelve, and Murray's been a part of that. Um, that uh, you know, I don't need to tell you that's that's a huge plus. Um, for any team uh, going out there every night, knowing that your pitcher has a chance to do that. So, uh, you know, that to me uh, with Joey Murray, um, to have that 12 strikeout game, um, that, that, that was really impressive. And he just kind of continued the trend of very good starting pitching. Jim Tarabokia, the broadcaster for the Jays, a advanced affiliate in the Florida state league, the playoff down to Needham blue Jays. Jim, thank you very much. Jesse, thank you. Talk to you next week, buddy. At Jim Tara on Twitter. And as we move downward on the ladder, let me bring in the nation, because no man is an island, but one man is a nation. Rob, say, how are you? <laughs> I'm fantastic, man. You will never do better when it comes to introductions. The voice of the Vancouver Canadians who've opened up this season. All right, so things have not gone quite as you wanted them to go. The record is 3-11. and 11. Rob, your impressions so far from two weeks of C's baseball? Uh, execution. If I was to dwindle it down to one word, Jesse, it is execution. The Canadians have been really good at getting guys on base. There's no doubt about it. They've actually exceeded what they did in 2018 as far as getting guys on base and putting runners in scoring position. But that's kind of where they dropped the ball. They just haven't been able to cash in runs. 75 runners in scoring position, have been left on base through the first 14 games of this season. And you can talk about the fatigue maybe of some of the drafted players like Cameron Eden, who's come through, uh, Trevor Schwecky. There's a few guys that, of course, have played already 45, 50, 60 games before getting here. But it's the second-year guys that are still struggling. But Gregory Contreras is a guy that is hitting 211 coming into our game today. And those are the kind of players, uh, Brett Wright, for example, a catcher who last year was an afterthought and now is our marquee guy behind home plate, those are the guys that you're looking at saying, all right, it's your second tour of duty. What do you got? And right now, across the board, the Canadians offensively are struggling. How good has Jorman Rodriguez been, though? Jorman is gap-to-gap gap right now. And I think that's actually a positive for him because the last time that we saw him, he kept trying to hit the ball 500 feet. And I think the M.O. on Jorman was that he had a lot of power and that he was going to be a guy that was going to be able to put up some pretty sexy numbers. But as he shortened up his swing and really just simplified his game, Jesse, I think the one thing that you're starting to see is that he's a very good contact hitter. And they've played the shift on him a couple of times. They did so down at Hillsborough. And he was able to go opposite and really take that outside fastball, even a breaking pitch on the other half, and just fist it against the shift. So little details with Jormann. Part of the reason right now he's amongst the league leaders in batting average hitting 381. Among the college draftees that you've got at the top of the order, Cameron Eden, Trevor Schwecky, Tanner Morris, Will Robertson, is there one of those guys or maybe more that they have shown you something in glimpses that you're saying, this is something I'm looking forward to seeing more of in the future? Yeah, there definitely is. And as much as Will Robertson out of Creighton has struggled, you look at the body and the physique and you say that's eventually going to uh, it's going to play. He's hitting 167 so far, but last night in Everett, he hit two towering fly balls to the deepest part of the ballpark. And even though on the scorecard it goes down as over two, he's starting to get that swing right. And I think he's going to be somebody in the second half uh, that will do pretty good things for us. But one guy that I've circled right from the get go is Trevor Schwenke. He was a 13th rounder this year out of Wisconsin. 
Reminds me a lot of Shane Opitz for those guys in the Blue Jay system that remember Shane. He played with us back in 2011. Um, very similar, both in their physique, the way that they play, the position that they play, and the way that they attack a fastball. Uh, Schwecky for me, is probably been offensively the brightest light that we've seen so far. And when it comes to pitching, uh, Parker Caracy, he's a guy at an Ole Miss University that we took this year in the 21st round. Uh, yesterday came into a baseball game, got roughed up a little bit. But the thing that I like about him is he was a closer at Ole Miss. He was actually fifth on their all-time mark for saves with 20. And he is a guy right now that's got the eye of the tiger. And one of the things that I think this Canadians team needs, because it's almost like they're a toothless organization right now, uh, They've got the ability. They just don't know how to attack. And all of a sudden, you add a guy like Parker into the fray, and I think he gives them a little, um, I guess, swagger, which is something this Canadian team desperately needs. Tell Casey Kendall, keep the boys up. Keep those chins up. A question from the minor <laughs> leaguer from Bluebird Banter. Do you have any big plans for Canada Day coming up next week? Well, there's no doubt, and, and one of the things that we really appreciate is being Canada's only affiliated minor league team. I mean, we're called the Canadians, so we got to do Canada Day well. Um, the thing that I like is that game has been sold out for months. Uh, it is a foregone conclusion that you're going to get 6,400 out to Napa Lee Stadium for that game. And I think really with the Canadians scuffling, this is going to be a good moment for them. They're home for nine of their next 12 games. They just rumbled back up the interstate last night. And I think when you see this crowd that's supporting you, even when you're struggling out of the gate to the tune of 3-11 and 11 so far, I think that maybe gives you a little second win to realize that you're not doing it on your own. Uh, these guys will very quickly dip for the 4th of July back down in the States, but then they'll zip right back up. So, you know, pomp and circumstance, of course, we'll have it. We'll have the big video board presentation and, you know, we'll try to get everybody, you know, maybe a tear in their eye. But more than anything, I think this is just where the Canadians who have gotten off to a bit of a slow start realize that they're not alone and this hometown fan base isn't going anywhere. We've got six sellouts in our next seven games. And that's against the Hillsborough Hops. Rob, stomp those greats. Thank you very much for joining me at Rob Fay Nation on Twitter. This is a pleasure. My pleasure always, Jesse. All right. And from Rob, voice of the seas, let's go to Zach Helton with the advanced rookie level Bluefield Blue Jays. The first time that I'm having a chance to talk to Zach talking Bluefield Blue Jays baseball. Zach, how are you? We're doing good, Jesse. How about you? I'm good. Zach and I actually had the chance to meet up in person, which is something that us broadcasters, we all listen to each other. We all support each other, but we all exist as voices in the air. And then I got to meet the great Zach Heldon last December at the winter meetings out in Vegas. So just putting a face to the voice, this is a pleasure. And now I get to say to you, looking over your Bluefield Blue Jays, what are your thoughts? Well, I want to go first and foremost to apologize for what I look like in person, Jesse. I know uh, the voice <laughs> is a little different, but uh, I'm glad uh, that we got to meet in person. We had a great time in Vegas. And, uh, well, the Jays here in Bluefield off to a slow start, three and uh, three and six coming into tonight. They'll host Burlington for three. But I, I've got some, uh, I got some eyes out uh, here. I, I think we've got a couple of good kids that's uh, about to turn over a new leaf, and, and they're new to pro ball, and I, I think they're just on the cusp of getting getting things in the right direction. I want to ask you about the younger ones, the real big prospects, if you look at any of the lists, but that's in just a second. First, every single year, there are some college guys who arrive in Bluefield and tear it up. What are your thoughts on, for example, Spencer Horwitz? 
Yeah, Spence last night had his first professional home run. He uh, is a Radford guy, so he's uh, not very far from where he went to college. We actually were in Pulaski there last weekend, which is uh, almost walking distance from Radford. So, yeah, Spence is uh, very uh, tuned to the Appalachian region, and, and he's he's coming in pretty hot. He's among the league leaders in average. He's sitting up in the 390s right now, had his – like I said, his first professional home run last night. He's on a seven-game hitting tear. And uh, Luis Rattata, he, he Horwitz is listed as an infielder, but had Spence out last night in left field. I, I think he'll play about uh, six or seven positions this year and probably DH a lot too as, as long as he can keep his hitting hot. How about Angel Camacho now, another First, uh, another top ten round pick, a college guy, and a guy who's performing very well offensively early. Yeah, Camacho uh, is an interesting guy. I got to talk to him a little bit yesterday. He's about four credits shy of his MBA, so he's a smart kid. And I've been pitching him uh, small business ideas on and off the air, just seeing if something <laughs> would stick and maybe we could team up that way. But he's come on. Uh, he's always out out on the field getting extra work with uh, Hurtada, so he he's bought in to professional ball. Uh, he's got a nice glove at third, and uh, he, he seems to be taking just uh, his in stride from hitting in Jacksonville now in Bluefield. It, it, it nothing really is, has kind of faltered there. It's just kind of seamlessly transitioned, and he, he's on pace to have a good year as well. Keep on pitching. You're only nine games into the season. At some point, you're going to hit on a winner. At that point, all of us might want to ride your coattails. All right, the youngsters, the top prospects, uh, Miguel Araldo or Leonardo Jimenez, or even let me throw in an Addison Barger who was taken very high in the draft in 2018. Any of those three guys jump out at you for any reason? I tell you what, Miguel Geraldo is uh, hes very similar with the glove as Luis De Los Santos was last year. A little bit shorter in stature, but he is so smooth at shortstop and fun to watch. I, I think once his hitting comes along, he's going to be a complete player. And, and you men, uh, mentioned Aston Barger. He and uh, – and, uh, Miguel just looked just seamless at, at second uh, turning double plays. They look like a good double play combo. And, and those two guys have been fun to watch. Uh, you know, it's early, uh, game 10 tonight, so a lot of the guys still trying to piece things together. The pitching, like you mentioned, uh, it's uh, it's been hit or miss. Some nights the pitching's been there, but the hitting has not. Uh, likewise, uh, the hitting's been there a few times and the pitching has not. So it's just been uh, one of those things. This team's young. They're, you know, barely off the bus here in Bluefield, and they're just starting to put things together. Is the Bluefield area, does everybody in the city and the surrounding neighborhood, and maybe even the league, miss Dennis Holmberg? I I don't know about everyone in Bluefield. A lot of people in Bluefield do. I do, even though uh, Luis Hurtada has been tremendous to me. Uh, we, we text back and forth almost every day, and he's letting me know what's going on in the clubhouse and what he's working on. But Dennis, uh, you know, he was uh, – he was Mr. Blue Jay. You know, he, he showed up in town when the Blue Jays did right after the Orioles left. And uh, that was the face of the Blue Jays organization here in Bluefield for the longest time. So uh, I, I talked to Dennis there uh, late last year, I think right after the winter meetings, maybe. Uh, he's doing fine in Florida, as you would suspect. Uh, and, and we're kind of glad uh, he's kind of heading off down his final few steps of his career down close to home. But, uh, you know, Luis Hurtado, he's picking up right where Dennis left off, and I think a little bit of young enthusiasm is going to be great for this club this season. 
That's beautiful. You tell her that you spoke with me. Zach, really good to speak with you. Hear all about Bluefield today and throughout the rest of your season. Thank you. Thanks, Jesse. Z underscore Helton on Twitter. Zach Helton, the voice of the Bluefield Blue Jays, the Toronto Blue Jays' Appy League affiliate, and they are loaded once again this year with talent. Now let me bring you up to the Midwest League. I'm Jesse Goldberg-Strassler. We're Jay-talking our way around the organization. I'm joined now by the guy who joins me every night on the airwaves, Adam Jaxes. We call Lansing Lugnuts Baseball. Adam, how are you? I'm good, Jesse. What's going on with you? Let's talk some Lansing Lugnuts. And let's begin with this for the Lugnuts. First, the All-Star Game occurred. And there were five lug nuts who participated in that All-Star game. And now two of them have already gone up. Josh Winkowski, Nick Podkul moving up to A Advanced Dunedin. And the guys who remained, Jake Brode, Ryan Gold, Kobe Johnson. Let's begin with Kobe Johnson. Yesterday set a career high with innings pitched. Six innings in all. What did you see from him? Well, Jesse, I saw him face adversity really well. He opened that game, and you and I were discussing it in the pregame show that Uh, The key for him would be to get off to a good start because he works so fast. When he gets in a rhythm, he really does a nice job. But that was completely erased when he gave up four runs on four hits and saw eight batters in the opening frame. So you and I were kind of wondering what's going to happen right now. But then he settled in. As you mentioned, he goes the longest stint of his career, six innings. Through the next five innings, he allowed just two hits, had three strikeouts, and no walks. So I really saw him compete yesterday. He locked in. He forgot about that first inning and then just pitched the way that he has pitched. And when he's been on this season, he's been rolling. And uh, after that lengthy first inning, immediately he set down six straight through the second and the third, worked around a couple of hits in the fourth, and then was effortless in the fifth and the sixth. So it was really good to see him find that rhythm even after early struggles in that opening inning. I mentioned all of those All-Stars for the Lugnuts. There was one player who was certainly going to be an All-Star, and then he got hurt, and then he came back. There was an on-base streak before he was hurt, and that on-base streak has continued. Let's talk Otto Lopez, because his on-base streak right now is up to 27 games. He came back with a bang in Dayton. Yes, he did, Jesse. I mean, it was like he didn't miss a beat when he came back. And normally you see guys struggle or take them a little bit to get going again. Not him, though. The first pitch that he saw in Dayton, he homered to left field. Uh, it was a great swing. He got a fastball. And then he continued. Uh, he got two hits the next day and two hits the following day. So Otto Lopez right now on a stretch of 27 games on base. Uh, in a row, that's the longest streak for a Lansing Lugnut this season. And for the second time in the on-base streak, he's on a seven-game hitting streak. It, this hasn't been a cheap on-base streak. Only four times throughout the uh, on-base streak has he not gotten a hit. And again, the second time that he's put together seven straight with hits. And there's been multiple times where he's getting two or three hits, or he's getting a couple hits and walking once or twice. So, Uh, Really good to see him, one, come back, as you mentioned, the addition of uh, or the promotion of Nick Podkul. The Lugnuts were missing some infielders. And Otto Lopez, uh, their third baseman, Johnny Aiello, just came back. Jordan Groshans is still down the shortstop. So great to see both Lopez and the third baseman, uh, Johnny Aiello, come back because they needed some depth on that side of the infield. But Otto has been tremendous to watch. Even going down, he's picked up right where he left off. 
There was another tremendous performance that occurred in Dayton. I'm talking about Fitz Stadler. Stadler and Kobe Johnson had been serving as a piggybacking tandem. Well, they're now getting split apart. Johnson started yesterday. Stadler started today, or starting today. But that was the last time that they actually piggybacked together. Stadler started. Johnson relieved. How good was Stadler in Dayton? And he was excellent, Jesse. I mean, he had a perfect game through four innings. He had struck out three. And then after he exited in the fifth, he walked a guy and gave up a base hit, and that was it. He worked out of it with a double play and then got the final out. But uh, he was throwing strikes. I think that was the big key for him. He got ahead of 90% of the batters that he faced. And you know how much easier it is when you get ahead of a guy. Uh, you've got a lot of options for what you want to try and do to attack that hitter. And Stadler was doing so. He was mixing his pitches well. Uh, he was commanding his fastball. And I think we saw the potential of what the Blue Jays saw when they picked Fitz Stadler. So he's actually going to be starting again tonight for the Lansing Lugnuts. And he's been piggybacking throughout the entire first half. Tonight, because of the promotions in the starting rotation, Joey Murray earlier in the year, Josh Winkowski recently, uh, the Lugnuts are a little bit thinner in the starting staff right now. So because of that, Stadler's going to get the opportunity uh, to just work by himself tonight. There won't be a piggyback starter behind him, which means if we would have gone back to his last outing on Saturday against Dayton, we wouldn't they, they wouldn't have needed to pull him after five innings to bring in Kobe Johnson. So if he can put together back-to-back good performances, maybe he can stretch it out a little bit and go to the sixth or maybe the seventh inning tonight. But certainly excited about what we saw from the 6'9 Stadler on Saturday in Dayton because he was incredible. Speaking with Adam Jacks of the Lansing Lugnuts on Around the Nest as we J-talk our way around the Blue Jays minor league system. Adam, what else has stood out to you recently about this Lansing Lugnuts squad? It's been a couple of weeks since we spoke to you on Around the Nest. Yeah, for sure. I, I think uh, the one thing is we, we still haven't seen that leap yet of consistency for the Lugnuts. They, they didn't make the first half, um, and now early on in the second half, I think the big thing that we're looking for with Lansing is can we get that consistency out of the starting pitching staff? Um, they've had some guys like a Kobe Johnson yesterday that put together five innings or a Fitz Stadler on Saturday that put together five really good innings, but then they'll come back and they'll struggle. They have the hitters on this team with a Reggie Pruitt starting to get going once again, um, Griffin Conine, Gabrielle Moreno, uh, Otto Lopez, all batting over 300. They've got a solid middle core of their order. It's, it's all about the pitching right now for Lansing. So I don't know if it's what I've seen, but more of what I'm looking forward to. Can Lansing become more consistent with the starters that they have and start to expect those guys to come out and help you get wins every five days? If they can start to have that consistency and uh, those good performance on a regular basis from their starters – this is a team that certainly can make a run, but that's, I think, Jesse, the big thing we're missing to this point, and uh, hopefully it'll start coming here in the next couple of weeks. All right, we'll keep our eye to it. Adam, thank you very much. At Adam Jackson on Twitter, calling Lansing Lugnuts games with me. And Adam, I'll be back on air with you tonight. Sounds good. Can't wait. Thank you, Jesse. All right, and from Adam, let's jump all the way up to AAA. Let me bring in the voice of the herd, Pat Malacaro. Pat, how are you? Oh, things are good, Jesse. The Bisons are about to start a six-game homestand, which culminates in uh, one of our biggest nights at home this year, July 3rd, Independence Eve. So things are good. Uh, Bisons are playing 
some of the best baseball in the International League here in the month of June, winning 16 of the last uh, 21. So uh, things are good in Herdland right now. That's what I'm looking at. I pulled up a June calendar, and there I'm seeing June 6th, win, June 7th, win, June 8th, win. There's a win on June 11th and the 12th and the 13th and the 15th, the 16th, the 19th, the 20th. You won twice on June 21st, the doubleheader sweep over Norfolk, the 22nd, 23rd, 24th, and onward. How much fun are you having on the airwaves? Oh, it's been a blast. And for a team that had only scored 10 or more runs four times going into the uh, road trip into Indianapolis, which I believe started on June 12th. The Bisons then scored 10 or more six times in a 14-day window. So the offense is clicking, and I really think that says a lot about this team. And as you look at the, the game-by-game results, it was a doubleheader sweep at the hands of scranton Wilkesbury, where the Rail Riders uh, not only won both games, but shut Buffalo out, both of them, 3 nothing and 4 nothing. And this team didn't pack it in. This team didn't, didn't give up on the year. They, they came back, and it was like a, a fire was lit underneath them. Uh, pitching has been very good. The hitting has been uh, very good as well. And you know, there's a lot, of, a lot of things that you can point to and say, that this is a team that is led by some veterans. They're, they're loose. They're having fun. And the young guys are really feeding off of that. There's a question posted on Bluebird Banter. The Bisons are 15-5 and five since the introduction of the newest WCC race mascot, Fish Fry. What is Fish Fry's <laughs> secret? Well, I mean, part of it is uh, all that goes into the Fish Fry. It'll be uh, here at the ballpark tonight as part of the WCC race. Uh, new introduction this year, so I know fans are going to have fun with that. And, um, you know, it's something that in western New York people really love the Fish Fry, and it's something that on Fridays during Lent, uh, especially uh, around here, people go out of their way They'll go miles around just to, to get a good one. So uh, introducing it this year after Beef on Weck last year was uh, a nice little surprise. The fun thing in talking with you, Pat, is that I can read a ton of different uh, insights and perspectives on uh, things from the Blue Jays' perspective. For example, Jordan mm-hmm. Romano goes up to the major leagues. He impresses. He gets sent back down. And then from the Blue Jays' perspective, I can hear this was unjust. Jordan deserved to stay up here. Here's how good he was. We can't wait to get him back. Well, now I get to ask you from your perspective, being in Buffalo, where Jordan is now a part of the Bisons, have you had the chance to speak with him? Yeah, it's, I chatted with him uh, once he came back down. And I think, you know, it's, it's still that kind of you know, honeymoon period, so to speak, where, like, he's a kid who grew up in Markham, just a couple of miles away from Rogers Center. So, uh, just to get to this point and to be back with the organization after you know being a Rule 5 pick this past winter and being outside of the organization for a couple of months uh, to be back and to be in the big leagues, I think he understands that it's just a numbers game at this point. And if you're a 25-man guy with options, that you might be on the shuttle a little bit. But uh, if you pitch well at this level, you can go back up. And he did just that yesterday against Scranton-Wilkesbury, which uh, you know was a good litmus test for the Bisons in terms of how they fare in terms of the top teams in the International League. And uh, he got himself out of a jam in the, in the seventh inning and helped preserve the win. So for Jordan Romano, I think it's just continue to throw the way he has. As a reliever, that's where the Blue Jays see him uh, the most effective. And he, after struggling a little bit um, with figuring out how to be a max effort guy in a one-inning situation, uh, has done a nice job of working in his slider and his fastball. And he'll be back in the big leagues. It's just a matter of when, not if. You'd mentioned the veterans who are leading the way. Who specifically are the guys leading the way for Buffalo? 
I think you can look at guys like Socrates, Brito, even someone like Alan Hansen, who um, has not necessarily been in the starting lineup all the time. But uh, I look at the way he has gone out, and when they've needed a couple of big hits, uh, he struggled, but he's come up with big hits. So it's kind of leading by example on the field. Um, you know, there's a lot of guys. It's, it's hard to think, but Anthony Alford is a veteran on this team. Jonathan Davis is kind of a veteran now in his second year here at AAA. So you've got guys like that. And then on the pitching staff, adding someone like Ryan Fearbend, Buddy Bo Shears over the last month or so, um, you know, veterans who have been in the big leagues, been around a while, and uh, can have a lighthearted nature as well. Uh, they've been a, a, a nice addition to this team, and so you're seeing it from both perspectives of on the mound and in the field. With Pat Malacaro, the voice of the herd, and Pat, this is just a broadcasting question. You're seeing a lot of home runs. Thank you, Major League Baseball. I tuned in to you <laughs> and Tyler Murray calling the game in Pawtucket, in which Jonathan Davis goes yard, and Patrick Kivlihan goes yard, and J.D. does it again, and Kivlihan does it again. Are you now gearing yourself every single time? You know you've got home run threats. Are you saying, all right, I've got my home run call ready? Yeah, and honestly, it, 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 from a broadcasting perspective, it's been an adjustment period this year because, uh, you know, my entire life watching baseball here in Buffalo that goes over 30 years, I've known the baseball to carry one way. And it now it, it took a, probably a good six weeks to, to see just how the ball would play. Uh, but now that, now that we're, we're settling into the summer months and the Bisons have hit 30 home runs now this month, the most of any month in the season – yeah, it's, it's uh, getting easier to uh, figure out what's going to be a home run, what isn't, and really gear that call up. So uh, it's been fun, and I was glad to have Tyler with me this past week. Unfortunately, uh, rain shortened the stint with the herd for, for Tyler, but uh, it was fun having him on Monday, and he got some uh, good home runs to call, that's for sure. Marvelous. Big games coming up. Canada Day, Independence Day Eve is going to be awesome. Pat, have some great calls, and thank you very much for joining me. You too, Jesse. Talk to you next week. Pat WGR on Twitter. Pat Malacaro, the voice of the AAA Buffalo Bisons. Now let's go down the ladder. While Tyler Murray was getting the call up to AAA, Tyler Zickel, the Zick, broadcasting for the AA New Hampshire Fisher Cats. Tyler, how are you? Jesse, I'm fantastic. Greetings from Arm and Hammer Park on the shores of the Delaware River here in Trenton, New Jersey, after a great W for the Cats last night. And New Hampshire, like every other team in the Eastern League, looking to stick it to the Yankees affiliate tonight. <laughs> Arm and Hammer Park, how are the arms, how are the hammers for New Hampshire? I'll say this, a big hammer last night, a couple of guys in the eighth inning. First, it was Logan Warmus, who had his first career three-hit outing in the double-A level. Nice job by him coming up with the go-ahead run on base after Josh Palacios had worked to walk after 11 pitches to put the go-ahead run on board. Warmus slapped a triple into the right center field gap. He got to show off the wheels that we're coming to know and love from Logan up here at the level. And then two batters later, Kevin Smith, went absolutely top tank in left field. There's a 30-foot-high wall that has some advertisements here at Arm Hammer Park. On the first pitch of that at-bat for Kevin Smith, he went high and deep, way beyond that 30-foot wall that might still be traveling. I think it landed on the rocky steps in Philadelphia. But big home run for Kevin, his team-high eighth. And that was very much the hammer last night. As for the arms, Yancy Diaz, another quality start. He tied the team high with seven this year as he went six innings and gave up just one run. Justin Dillon has continued his scoreless success after his promotion from Dunedin. He got the W last night. And Jackson McClellan, you talk about being a max effort guy right off the bat. 
Jackson has struggled with the first couple of batters in his outings this year, but came on late with the winning run at the dish and got the out that the Cats needed to beat the Thunder here in Trenton. It's interesting that you mentioned Jackson McClellan in particular. Jason Bure is here in town watching the Lansing Lugnuts as a special advisor, watching the pitchers, seeing how he can help. And when I asked him about players who had impressed him, Jackson McClellan was one of those names that he gave me in terms of saying major league arm, there's just a couple more things that he needs, and he's going to be up there. How have you seen McClellan develop this year? Well, first and foremost, it's been great to have Jackson back after he joined us last year down the stretch and became a champion with New Hampshire. And this season, obviously, he has big league stuff. He's struck out 31 guys in less than 30 innings. I'm just going off my game notes here. But as I mentioned and as you alluded to as well, Jesse, one thing for Jackson to work on would be getting that first batter out. In 23 outings, which included last night, he has retired the first batter only nine times. And that's one thing when you're coming into the game with the bases clear, but at the big league level, they're going to ask a guy like Jackson McClellan who can touch 101 and change on the radar gun with that fastball. He's going to have to get that first batter he faces when he comes in the game in the big league. So for Jackson, I would circle that, you know, being ready 100% completely stretched out when you come into the game. That fastball has a tendency to ride high when he comes in out of the bullpen, but last night really was a good sign of things to come for the Californians. Let me circle back around to your starting offense. You mentioned how big the games were yesterday for Logan Warmup, for Kevin Smith. These are big prospect names for the Blue Jays organization. Have you liked what you've seen from them uh, as of late? Lately, absolutely. And, of course, Logan playing in, I think, his 11th double-A game last night after his promotion from Advanced Aid to Dunedin. You saw when he first joined the Fisher Cats, there's obviously a little bit of a learning curve that you have to navigate when you make your way to the upper minors. And he's actually going to be my pregame show interview today after batting practice. So I'm looking forward to diving more into his thoughts about what it's been like here at double-A, what he's had to make adjustments on, what he's been able to carry up from Advanced Aid to Dunedin. But as for Kevin Smith, I think everybody, Kevin at the top of the list, knows that his first half certainly was underperformed in terms of his batting average, still under 200, but I already mentioned that he's the team leader in home runs. He's top three on the roster in RBI, and he comes up in big situations and finds ways to make things happen. And I think as Kevin continues to heat up, he's got four extra base hits on the road trip, and he has been the running producer for the Cats since they left home last Sunday. If he continues to heat up and gets to that form that we know and love from last year and did his college career at Maryland, certainly think that the Fisher Cats have a great shot at a second-half title and then a postseason run to try and chase a second consecutive championship. Now, I don't want to say that the Fisher Cats go as Kevin Smith goes, but it's only positive that Kevin Smith continues to find his way at the plate. And, of course, he's going to do his thing at shortstop. He has made such a clinical effort all season long, so cerebral about his offense and his defense. And if you see a ball going to the left side of the infield and Kevin's in the game, it's almost certain that he's scooping it up. So as the bat heats up, it's going to meet up with the glove and nowhere to go but up for Kevin Smith, Logan Warmoth, and the Fisher Cats in the second half. I love it. The Zick broadcasting double-A New Hampshire Fisher Cats baseball. Do you have any plans next week for Canada Day? Nothing planned just yet. I will say this, Jesse, in New Hampshire, in what is my third season in Manchester, starting to really understand and embrace the Canadian influences in New England. And so, well, we have nothing planned of, of late or yet. Certainly have some stuff up our sleeves once we get back off this longest road trip in Fisher Cats history. 11 games in 10 days. We'll be back on July 4th to get it going. And then right into the All-Star break. Hold on. This is the longest in Fisher Cats 
history? Yes, so we can we can thank Bob Lippman, esteemed Fisher Cats broadcaster and team historian, for this factoid. But the Cats have played a couple of ten game road trips along the way, but they've never played eleven games on one trip away from home. We got a doubleheader on July second in Reading, which makes this ten day, ten game scheduled trip an eleven gamer. And if the Fisher Cats can find a way to win this series in Trenton and then take two of three, or rather three of four, maybe two of four against the Reading Fight and Field. That's a great opportunity for the New Hampshire Fisher Cats to be back in the mix in the East. But, yes, indeed, a long sojourn away from Delta Dental Stadium. But the Cats certainly looking to make it a home away from home this weekend. weekend. Oh, wish John Moses well for me in Trenton. And then wish Kirsten well for me when you take on Reading. And best of luck. Finish off that road trip with a plum. Indeed. I will pass your good wishes along. All the love from the guys who have come through Lansing who are now here in New Hampshire coming your way, especially when I mention I'm going around the net. Caleb Daniel had to make sure he said hello. So cheers from our athletic trainer to you, Jesse. And as always, thank you very much for having me. Those are my guys. Tyler Zickel, the Zick, at Tyler underscore Zickel. Online you can find him on Twitter. And he's broadcasting New Hampshire Fisher Cats baseball on the road. I'm Jesse Goldberg-Strassler on Twitter, at Jay Goldstrass. And this is Around the Nest. This is our time to go jay-talking. Every Friday we record it live and then put the podcast out there on Twitter at Around Nest. We like to finish off each show with a conversation. And so for this week's show, why not a conversation with the Lansing Lugnuts' Otto Lopez. Last year when he joined the Vancouver Canadians, I started calling him the Otto Lopez Experience because of everything that he was doing for Rob Bay's C's. And now this year with the Lansing Lugnuts, He is continuing to make things happen. He's a kinetic player. He walks. He gets on base with base hits. You heard from Adam Jaxa. His first swing back since coming back off the injured list. He homered in Dayton. He's reached base 27 consecutive games. He's played shortstop, second base, third base, left field. Uh, That's just this year. Over the course of his career in the minors, he's played everywhere in the infield, everywhere in the outfield. He's played everywhere but catcher. So get to know a little bit more of Otto Lopez, who speaks English, French, and Spanish, and considers both the the Dominican Republic and Montreal his home. This is Jesse Goldberg-Strassler, joined by the Lansing Lugnuts' Otto Lopez. Otto, when did you first start playing baseball? I started playing baseball really young. I was like seven years old. I I played in the street. (laughs) Yeah, with a cup of water and... It's not really baseball, but we call it kind of same, right? Mm-hmm. And then I joined the team in Montreal at 11 years old. How good was that team? It was good, <laughs> really good. Yeah, it was first time in my life where I played with the team. Oh my gosh! Yeah. What positions did you play for that team? <laughs> I was playing everywhere. <laughs> I played. I was a pitcher and batting fourth, like. I was uh, first base, I was shortstop, second, outfield, whatever. Everywhere. Yeah, everywhere. Did you play any other sports? Yeah. I used to play basketball, and I try hockey, and I skate sometimes, because I, I like to do uh, a lot of activities that I know really well. So. Is it true, too, that you like to play badminton? Badminton, too, yeah. I used to play badminton at school. Are you good? I'm fine. <laughs> I can say I'm really good. So. How important is baseball in your family? It's really important because I grew up uh, on family baseball, so my uncle played baseball a lot. And he was not playing professional. He don't have a chance. 
but my family always liked baseball. They love baseball. Why did you move to Montreal? It was my father's decision because he was working there and then he just bring me there for studying and got a great school station and all the work, all the stuff. I was so happy to go so I go by myself alone and then uh, he bring all my family my mom my other brothers and the was Montreal very different than Santo Domingo? <laughs> oh yeah. <laughs> yeah, for sure. The weather, the cultures for sure. And uh, a lot of things, man. The snow, we never seen snow. <laughs> so, <coughs> how did you like snow? Yeah, I like snow, but <laughs> I like cuz uh, we can do a lot of activities. So. <laughs> like what? <laughs> like ski, yeah. How who else like How you call the Big road, like making a yeah, snowman. Like a snowman. Yeah. You were 10 years old when you moved. Yep. And then at 14 you moved back, right? Moved yeah, back to the Dominican. That I moved back because my uncle said that, that I have a chance to sign in Dominican mm-hmm. more quicker. So and I go there for sign. So you went back and yeah. did you immediately go into an academy? Yeah, I went uh, to the academy, Nietzsche team. How was that experience? Oh, it was not easy. I work uh, so hard to be uh, the same, like those baseball boys go there. So I work a lot every day, every single day, and uh, that's where that's where I got my first contract. How did you get better as a baseball player at the academy? I wake up every day like 5 a.m. and uh, give much as I can of, of, of every day. Like give uh, the 100% of what I have on on me and uh, play the uh, only play baseball. Like play every day and work hard as I can. So the day comes for you to sign that contract. What was that like? <laughs> It was uh, in 2016, on the 4th July. I was so nervous. <laughs> My family was there, and uh, I was really happy because <laughs> I like Blue Jays. So Blue Jays Canada is uh, where I grew up a little bit. So I, uh, yeah, how special is that? <laughs> you were somebody okay from the Dominican Republic to Montreal, and then there in Montreal, did you become a Blue Jays fan? Yeah, I was so happy, and I and I didn't know like after that, and I say, wow, so Montreal, Toronto is really close. So we are in Canada. It's the only team in Major League. Okay. When did you make your first visit to Toronto? Uh, I used to play a tournament like uh, for Team Quebec. Yeah. And I was there. <laughs> I don't remember the year, but. I I go to the stadium and I just I just re- remember to the same room when the they tell me uh, you know there 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 was the Manny Ramirez hit the home run he was really high on the stand so and I was so surprised uh, all right so now you've signed that professional contract what was your first minor league baseball season like 
but I told her I was a little nervous, but it's, I wasn't understand it, so I think it, it was the same thing, so just keeping work and uh, just playing the game, like I know what it is, yeah, it is, yeah and that's it. I was just a little nervous because it was my first year like, like as a professional, so... So that first year, you're playing in the Gulf Coast League. Yeah. And then at the end of the season, they tell you and they tell some of the other players, you're going to Lansing. What did they tell you? What did they say it was going to be like? <laughs> I was like, oh my God, that's a big step. <laughs> but I never know. It was just to play like, like with the high school, like university here. Mm-hmm. And I was, well, there's a lot of people here. I never played with a lot of people like that, so... Just play best right now. Was play center field. It was my like five, my five, uh, my five position. On the I never didn't think that I was play center field, but I play center field. <laughs> so they put day. you in center field. Yeah. Cross down showdown. You against Michigan State. That was the biggest crowd you had ever played in front of. Yeah, that was the biggest uh, stands. And then okay, then into the off season, and then the next year. You start off in Bluefield, and you play, what, five games in Bluefield before going up to Vancouver? How good was the start of last year for you? Yeah, it was... I was surprising, too, because I never think uh, to go there so fast, but I worked hard that the the two days were... because I got a hurt in my shoulder, mm-hmm. and I was... I don't think it was, and I was moving to to Vancouver, but after those two games, six for five and three for five, <laughs> they move up for Nick Podko because he got hurt in their head, mm-hmm. and uh, and and I, and they, I remember they tell me like Danny Danny Homer, he say you go for a few days, maybe a week or two weeks, <laughs> and now it's. If I go there, I'm not gonna come back. So I, pre- I do my job and uh, and I'm stay there. And I was really happy because in my second season there. They told you you're gonna be up there for two weeks, yeah. and you stayed the entire rest of the season. And <laughs> you were named a Northwest League postseason All Star. How did that make you feel? <laughs> that would make you proud for all my work. I was so proud of my work and what I do and Durant the 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 standard and the spring training so you said rooting for the Toronto Blue Jays they were uh, Canada's only major league team it was great that they signed you Vancouver's Canada's only minor league team was it special then to be playing for the Seas he was in Canada so <laughs> <laughs> I was really happy too it was special for me playing in Canada in Montreal and Vancouver sorry so last year ends what did you work on in the off season? I was working on my hitting uh, so far, so it's, uh, there's a lot of things that I was working on, and uh, the, there's a I got a like I don't know how you say like like I got a lot of pressure that, so I'm surprised to be working on that and. Show that that what can I do here, and that's it. <laughs> so you arrive at spring training. They send you here to the Lansing Lugnuts. 
Is Lansing the same way that you remember it from two years ago? Any differences? Oh, I just remember when I come here, I was with the Magua, we call Magua. Like McGregory Contreras. Yes. <laughs> I was with him and he taught me, how can we play with this call here? <laughs> Baseball. Yes. I was so surprised because it was really cold. Yeah. Okay, how is that to play in this cold weather? I, I'm not thinking to play, but we play, and he was baseball, so I just I just say, if they can play, I can play, so why don't I not play? So I play the baseball. And finally, for Otto yeah. Lopez, aside from baseball, what else do you love to do? Oof. I like a lot of things to do. I like to uh, uh, hang out with my family, like meet, meet people. I like... Uh, Make new sports. I like uh, ski. I like. Uh, I like. I used to, to play hockey. In school, but I'm now really good at that. <laughs> uh, I play goalie. So, yeah. You weren't that good at being a goalie. Yeah, cause I think I think it was a. Uh, oh, so I play baseball. So what can I be catcher here? <laughs> Same thing, right? Yeah, catching a punt, catching thing. a baseball. Yeah. Otto Lopez, merci beaucoup. De rien. And that'll end this week's edition of Around the Nest. Thank you so much for coming around the Blue Jays system with me. I'm Jesse Goldberg Strassler. Let's go all the way to the bottom and work our way up. Big thanks to Zach Helton with the Bluefield Blue Jays, to Rob Fay with the Vancouver Canadians, Adam Jackson with the Lansing Lugnuts, Jim Tarabokia with the Dunedin Blue Jays, Tyler Zickel with the New Hampshire Fisher Cats, and Pat Malakaro with the Buffalo Bisons. Big thanks as well to Hayden Godfrey and the Minor Leaguer and the Bluebird Banter. Once again, you can find us on Twitter at Around Nest. Until next week, you enjoy the baseball. <laughs>